everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as witch casting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism, witches and our wonderful world of magic. Welcome to Witch Casting with Theodora Pendragon. I have a special guest today who's been on the show before. And because of a popular request to have him back, I've reached out to Boniface Wolfsong to be back on the show. Welcome, Boniface. Uh, thank you. Are you flattered that people want you back? Uh, it's, it's nice to hear. Yes, definitely. So I've heard from people in person. And through Instagram, they're texting me and asking for another episode. And I said, well, let's find out if you'll be back. Well, I'm, I'm definitely glad to be back, and I'm glad people are wanting to hear more. Okay. So we are going to talk about what today? Covens and how covens have changed down through the years. And you have some experience with covens, don't you? Uh, yes, uh, quite a bit. How many covens have you had? Well, I've had two, but I've been a member of three. So uh, I do have some experience both in joining and in creating covens. Which one would you like to talk about first? Um, I'd like to talk about uh, joining a coven. Okay. And when I joined my first coven, uh, we actually didn't call it a coven at first. We called it a study group. And it was a kind of a way to get to know one another first before actually doing any ritual or anything like that. But it was before the Internet. So it was quite different joining a coven back then. Uh, I had to uh, actually I put an ad in the classifieds in a newspaper, a physical newspaper. And I titled it Crafty with a question mark. And I said, if you're a member of the old craft, I would be interested in talking to you. And I got quite a lot of phone calls because I put a phone number. Uh, there was no internet at the time. And a lot of people thought I was looking for arts and crafts type of thing. But I did get one call from a lady that had a coven. And we got together and met. And that's where I met my first three Wiccans. And I was introduced to that coven atmosphere through them, but I had contact them through the classified ads in the newspaper. So it was quite different than today. And what was that like as far as meeting her and deciding that you wanted to join her coven? Actually, I didn't join her coven. What I did was talk to them, ask them about what covens were like. They filled me in a lot on how to find a coven. And then I went to a bookstore and put a card up on the bulletin board in a bookstore. Then I met some people that were interested in 
creating a study group. We started the study group and eventually, I don't know if we ever called it a coven. We called it a study group for a long, long time until we started doing rituals. And then once you started rituals, did you decide that, well, this must be a coven? I did. They said, okay, call it a coven if you want, but it's still just a study group, although we did rituals. Interestingly, we weren't all Wiccaned. Uh, one member was a liberal Catholic priest, another one was a Kabbalist, and another one, she had studied medieval literature and had a degree in that. And I was coming from the Wiccan perspective. So we did that for quite a number of years, if I remember right, about a 10 or 11 years. And then I decided to create my own coven. And after that, a second coven. Each of those lasted, uh, the first one, about nine years, and the second one, about, if I remember right, 10 years. The covens tend to last good time if they're successful. Tell us how you started the first coven. The first coven, I actually started putting a TV program together for public access. And it was airing in San Antonio, so a lot of people were interested in it. Because of the interest in that, the feedback I was getting, I began a workshop at a local bookstore. And it was a two-hour workshop once a week. And a lot of people started coming to that. Of course, this was early on, still before the internet. So I was essentially the only game in town for finding out this kind of information. So I got quite a lot of people. Uh, It was a small room. We used to pack the room pretty well. And then from that people started asking me to create a coven. So I did. Uh, We started a coven. My ritual experience comes from a background in Freemasonry. So I had a lot of experience on how to conduct ritual because I did learn how to do it through a Masonic education. And then you started another coven. But let's talk about how that coven ended before the next coven started. Well, essentially... After about nine years, I felt that I didn't have any more to teach them. We had covered the ground fairly well, and I said, it's time for you to branch out on your own. And I withdrew as a priest, and they took over and went off on their own. Nine years is a successful coven. Yeah, I've read in a couple of books, uh, one book especially about an author that lives here in San Antonio, that her covens usually last, she says, two to three years at the tops. So I'd say nine years was pretty successful. And we did have covens that branched off from those two original covens. So even though I only was priest for two of them, there were other covens that branched off from them. So the first one lasted nine years. How long did the second one last? Ten. Ten. Thereabouts. And I think they lasted that long because I had been experimenting uh, as a we covered in previous interviews. I'd been experimenting for a very long time. Uh, I started my experiments in witchcraft in 1973. I remember the year. And because I experimented so much, I had developed a certain skill set and how to train people in astral projection, lucid dreaming, controlling dreams, and how to focus energy and direct it. So there was a lot of training involved. Can you tell us a little bit about the downside to having a coven? 
Yeah, uh, the downsides, I guess. See, we started the Covens essentially because we were friends. I think the most important thing that has to be considered in starting a coven is do you have a good relationship with one another as human beings, as people? If you don't have that friendship, it makes it very difficult to work together in a coven. So we started as friends, and then the person with most experience, which happened to be me, instructed others on how to proceed with certain techniques in the witchcraft. The problems with covens is you get sometimes some minor rivalries between coven members. Who is a favorite? Who's progressing more? Am I getting the information that the other person's getting? And you kind of have to learn quite a bit of diplomacy as a priest or priestess on how to resolve these issues between human beings that have their own, you know, failings and insecurities. Diplomacy is—it's a rough trick to master. Once you got that, you're able to work together. I guess that's the biggest detriment of a of a coven is sometimes you do have these petty jealousies that crop up. And I guess that's to be expected whenever people work together, especially for a long time. How many members were in your covens? It started out with me and two others, and then it grew. We limited it at 13, just because that was the traditional number. And it did get... I guess a little crowded. We met in one another's homes, and at thirteen, that's pretty much the limit for a, a room in a house, you know, a regular house. So that's how many we had at the end of them. You all started as friends. Now, what would you tell someone who's trying to find a coven and they want to join any coven or to gain more experience? Would you recommend that they get to know the people before asking to join the coven? Uh, Definitely. I guess that's the hardest part, especially because of the internet. We tend to do a lot of things by texting online. Maybe if you get close to someone, video chatting. But friendships like they used to happen where you get together at a coffee shop or get together for a meal or something, be invited to one another's homes. It seems a lot of that has fallen by the wayside. Even when you do get together, people tend to get on their phone and they're not fully focused on what's happening at the moment. And that presents problems. Cell phones were just coming into vogue when uh, my first covenant started. And I made it a rule that you couldn't have your cell phone on. You couldn't have it with you. We were focused on what we were doing and nothing else. So that's very important. If you want to start a coven, I recommend start it as friends, get together. Can you even have a meal together and discuss things without getting into a major argument? That's very important. If you start seeing eye to eye on a lot of things, then you start a study group. Don't call it a coven. That puts a lot of pressure on you. Just call it a study group. And as you begin to study and relate to one another, you can decide whether ritual is the next step to take. And once you start taking ritual, then you can start doing some good work together, spells and so on. If you're going to join a coven, 
you definitely have to get to know the people first. Do not join a coven just because it's a coven. You have to be in sync, belief-wise, the way you work, the way you see authority and relate to authority. Uh, A lot of people have bad reactions to authority nowadays. In a coven, there is a hierarchy. You have a priest or priestess that lead the group, but they shouldn't be authoritarian. They should be guides. And you want to look for a coven that the priest or priestess are more guides with more experience. Then you can feel more comfortable. But if they are authoritarian and you have a problem with that, don't join it just because it's the only coven. Sometimes it does take quite a bit of work to find a group that is in sync with who you are. And I recommend taking the time. Well, a coven's like family. It does become family, very much so. How often would your coven meet? Well, the very first one that started as a study group then turned to ritual. We became so in sync with another that we would meet at least one time a week. And often when we would hit a topic that really interested us, we would meet sometimes two and three times a week. But we were fanatical about it. We had some really good topics and we would go off and do our research and come in with our notebooks and and papers and everything that we found and then share the research with one another and then discuss it. It was very much a study group. And it was, like I said, before the internet. So it wasn't a matter of typing in some keywords in Google and then having a whole list of resources. We had to go and find things in the library, read books, do research physically, and then come back with it. Meeting two and three times a week is dedication. The coven that I started, the one that lasted nine years, we would meet regularly twice a month and for the Sabbaths. So eight Sabbaths a year plus two times a month. That was our normal schedule. Wow. So that's eight Sabbaths, about two times a month. That'd be like gathering for Thanksgiving that often throughout the year. (laughs) Pretty much. But we enjoyed one another's company a whole lot. And see, that's the reason that you need to be friends, because you're going to spend a lot of time together. Are you still in contact with your former coven members? On Facebook, people have moved to different parts of the country. A couple of them here still in the same city I live in, but a lot of them have gone off in different directions. So I do contact them from time to time on Facebook. That must have been a big compliment for you, for your coven members to start their own covens after they had all the training under you. Yes, it it was very complimentary, and I'm glad that they did that. And How have things changed over all the years from what you've seen as far as covens? I think people are leery of covens today. I have my own ideas as to what may have caused it. I think the internet is one. People today want instant gratification. They want to type in a few keywords in Google and all of a sudden, a list of a hundred or more resources come up just from typing in something. And covens is not, it doesn't work that way. In a coven, you actually have to do some actual work. You have to do some training. We sit and we meditate. There are exercises like how to raise a cone of power, how to send energy, 
how to direct energy. And any one of these techniques can take not just one meeting, but a dozen or more meetings before people start to get the actual hang of how to do it. And I don't know if people today want to put in that kind of time, especially with the economy the way it is. I know that people are having trouble financially, uh, inflation, so on. People have a hard time just meeting their work schedules to then make time for a coven puts a lot of stress on a person. And to be able to meet as a group where everybody has this time, it's quite a constraint. So it has changed in that respect. And also, the patience factor. I don't know if the internet has made people more patient. I think it's made them less patient. So actually sitting down and learning how to meditate properly, how to visualize, how to direct energy, that's something that takes time. And then techniques for astral projection and lucid dreaming. In my own uh, experience, I did start to actually project in 1973. That's where my work in witchcraft began. But it took me decades to get proficient at astrally projecting. And there are certain techniques that I have found that are, are very practical and useful in projecting. But to do that, it's like playing the piano. I tell people, some people have a knack for playing the piano. But even if you have a talent for it, you're going to have to sit down and practice. Same with astral projection. Do you have a desire to start another coven at this point in your life and with all your experience? I would not mind it. I'd like another coven. I always found it very interesting and and rewarding more than anything else. But it doesn't seem I can find the people that are willing to devote the time to it. I've had people ask, and we start a lesson planned, and then they drop away after two or three months. They go, this is a lot of work. Yep, <laughs> it is. Uh, no doubt about that. Do you think they go into it thinking it's a party? No, not that so much. I think they go into it and thinking that somehow I'm going to be able to bestow upon them these skills. <laughs> it's like you go to the drive-up window and say, you know, I'd like astral projection, please, with a double <laughs> side of fries, and say, here it is. No, it doesn't work that way. Well, that's what you mean by instant gratification, right? Exactly. And because it's not instant gratification. Now, I've taught the technique of astral projection for many, many years. And some people, after the first time, come back and they're amazed. They go, wow, it worked right away. I said, terrific. But then other people are going, I've been doing it for a year, two years. I still can't do it. I said, keep at it. Some people have a knack. Some don't. Everybody, I believe, can do it, but some people are going to take a little longer than others. It's just the variation in people. Going back to the public access TV, what did you talk about on that program? Oh, I talked about everything. What I would do is film little segments. I had a camera installed on my, uh, on my wall. I had a camera bracket, and I had it screwed into my wall. So if I had an idea, 
about something, I'd immediately go turn on the camera, film the idea, talk about the topic, finish it up, and then turn it off. Whatever occurred to me at a certain moment, I would just film it. And I hit from politics to art to witchcraft and how it all related to our practice of this religion. I got quite a good reception. I can remember going to my bank. I had some problems with my bank account, and I had to see one of the uh, executives. And when I went into the office, he said, whoa, I watch your program. You're fantastic. But then I was on the street another time, and this really bad-looking Hell's Angel kind of guy goes, hey, you. I said, what? You. I said, what? He says, you tripped me out. I watch your program all the time. So I was getting quite a range of people watching this program from this bank executive to a Hell's Angel. And I just approached the topics from my own point of view. And I guess it was unusual enough that attracted a lot of people. It must have. How long were you on that show? Uh, Two years. What was the show called? The Old Religion. The Old Religion. I've talked to several people who said they became interested in Wicca because they found a guy on public access TV. So you must be that guy. I remember one time meeting a guy that came up from Brazil, and he said he saw my program down in Brazil. I said, it doesn't reach Brazil. He says, no, a friend of mine lived here in San Antonio. They taped it, and they took the VHS tapes down to Brazil, and we would watch it down there with people by means of VHS tapes. Quite a broad range of people were seeing it. Does that give you warm fuzzies? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. They don't have public access TV anymore, do they? I'm not sure. I think if they're... Legally, they're obligated to, but I don't know if it's as popular as it was back in the 90s. Yeah, I guess everybody's stuck on Netflix. Yeah, streaming seems to be the way to go. I think what has taken over for public access is actually programs like this on the internet and things uh, like TikTok and so on, where streaming is the new way to get out there. Yeah, things really have changed from covens to watching television watching Boniface Wolfsong on public access TV. (laughs) I talk to people who have a strong desire to find a coven. And I've even seen online where they're trying to start online covens. What are your thoughts on online covens? We're talking about people who will never meet in person. They could be in different countries. I think it can work. There are workarounds to do anything, and if you're persistent enough, you can make it work. I do know that if you do master the technique of astral projection, you can work with an online coven and then meet in the astral. That's doable. Now, how many of the members in a coven would actually be able to do it? That's another question. It can be done. But you're the master of astral projection. Have you thought about offering an online master class on that? Well, first of all, I want to correct you. I'm not a master. I am a student of astral projection. I've actually met some people that are much more adept at astral projection than me. And I don't even know if they would consider themselves a master at it. It's something that you're continually learning and getting better at. So 
I do have some techniques. I'm willing to teach them. But like I said, for some people, it can take a very long time. And I'd rather do it in person because some people, let me put it this way. One person asked me, is there a danger to this? And I responded by saying, if you walk out that door and one across the street, there's a danger. You could get hit by a car and run over. If you want to eat a certain food in a restaurant, it could have food poisoning. There's a danger. There's a danger to everything. Is there a danger to astral projection? Yes. Now, how you deal with that danger, that's where an instructor, someone more experienced, someone like me, can say, oh, I've experienced that, and this is how I got out of it. And that requires one-on-one instruction. Doing that online, I don't know if I would want to do that online. Now, there are some very good books out there on lucid dreaming, and I recommend those books. And I believe lucid dreaming is the step two astral projection right before it. They also have caveats. If you get into this kind of situation or danger, this is what you can do to get yourself out of it. Going back to covens, if there's one piece of advice you can give the listeners, what would it be? Be patient. Don't be too quick to jump into a coven. Learn who the people are. See if a friendship can form. So be patient is the main thing. Take your time. Thank you, Bonifus, for a third episode of your wonderful knowledge. and I'm going to say expertise, okay? I know you may not like that word. Thank you very much for having me back. I enjoy these interviews. And I would say before I leave, everybody, stay a student. I'm a student. That's the best way. Keep learning. Thank you, Boniface, for another great episode. And there are going to be some listeners who are really happy that you're coming back third time. Blessed be. Blessed be. Thank you for joining us for Witch Casting with Theodora Pendragon. Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show? Contact her through Instagram at Theodora Pendragon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends. See you next time, and may your magic always shine.